I'm Lindsay Lee with Lee Ranch in Edna, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to be with you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it has been a tough year for sorghum here in Texas and all across the High Plains. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Once they finish this difficult 2022 season, what will Texas High Plains farmers feel motivated to do next season? Maybe plant more sorghum. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cotton farmers from the Mid-South and Southeastern United States are in Texas this week as part of a producer information exchange program. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from an Alabama cotton farmer on the tour on Texas Ag Today. September brings lots of change to rural Texas, including the start of school hunting season, and we hope this year rain and cooler weather. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Sorghum is a fairly drought-tolerant crop, but even with that tolerance, this year's drought has made it a tough year for the milo crop here in Texas and across the High Plains. USDA's Brad Rippey. Sorghum, another crop across the Great Plains that has just been ravaged by drought, Another decline in condition this week for sorghum, just one quarter of the crop currently rated good to excellent, down two percentage points from last week, 40% very poor to poor. That is up from 38% last week. A year ago, just like cotton, much better sorghum crop, 62% good to excellent, 10% very poor to poor. Of the six production states, four of them have very poor to poor ratings exceeding 40%. And that includes, of course, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Texas. Here in Texas, 17% of the sorghum is rated good to excellent, 41% fair, and 42% rated poor to very poor. The COVID pandemic hit the peanut industry just like it affected nearly every other industry in our country. But Shelly Nutt, executive director of the Texas Peanut Producers Board, says the peanut industry actually did very well during the lockdown, although there are still some supply chain issues. Peanuts did so well during COVID, and I hate to even say that because in my mind, nothing was good during COVID. But because peanuts is a plant-based protein, high in nutrient 
it, it actually did very well during COVID. Um, where we were seeing supply chain backups was within uh, parts and within packaging. Um, and, and it's getting better. Absolutely, it's getting better. But, um, you know, like everything else, we're still fighting to get caught up, still fighting to get enough product on the shelf. We had a recall with Jeff recently. You know, they're back in full production, but they're still playing catch up. And so the peanut industry is like everything else. We're just playing catch up and trying to get enough peanut butter back on the shelves again. Early in the lockdown, there was a huge backup of ballpark peanuts because the ballparks and other venues were shut down. But Nut says those peanuts were diverted to make peanut butter, which saw a huge increase in demand during the pandemic. The Plains Jenners Association's annual meeting is coming up this Monday, August 29th at the Fibermax Center for Discovery in Lubbock. The speaker lineup consists of Texas Tech University head football coach Joey McGuire, former House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway, and the Texas Tech University Combest Chair of Agricultural Economics, Dr. Darren Hudson. As we mentioned earlier, it has been a tough year for sorghum here in Texas, but James Hunt tells us it may be the best alternative farmers have as they plan for next year. J.D. Ragland, extension agent for Randall County, anticipates a big change. I think we're going to be seeing a shift here locally and maybe throughout the High Plains region where some of our traditional corn acres and maybe even some of our cotton acres we could see next season move over to sorghum production. Ragland says sorghum has some attributes that could make it attractive for farmers as they look to the future after being hit with a lot of challenges this season, including a terrible drought and very high input costs. We know, James, that sorghum is a lower input crop as we compare it relatively to cotton. We also know that we can plant sorghum later in terms of planting date, which helps us in some cases capitalize on some rain that we may not have or soil moisture ready available as compared to say like when we plant cotton. So there's a little window there that we can buy a little time and maybe hopefully capture a rain because of the later planting date. And then as I mentioned, there's just less risk involved and less input. And if we have just a little bit of help from Mother Nature, we generally can produce some pretty good yields. Next week, producers have the opportunity to visit a local farm to learn about a study in which more than 30 sorghum varieties have been grown under limited irrigation. That trip is part of the Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour, which is coming up Tuesday in Canyon. For more details and to RSVP, contact the Randall County Extension Office. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A group of cotton farmers from the Mid-South and Southeast have spent this week in Texas. Tom Nicoletti joined them on their tour of the Lubbock area. My guest in the Lubbock area today is Andy Armstrong from Dothan, Alabama. And Andy was among about uh, 15 or so cotton farmers from uh, the Southeast and the Mid-South in Texas recently uh, on a producer information exchange program sponsored by the National Cotton Council. Andy, why uh, was it important for you to see uh, the cotton industry here in Texas? Being from the Southeast, I um, took the opportunity to come out here and visit with Texas growers to see what challenges they have in production of cotton and compare it to what we do in the southeast and try to marry some things together and 
just learn some more about growing cotton. When it comes to those challenges, what are the similarities and differences between Alabama and Texas? Probably one of the biggest is water. Water conservation, water usage, although we have a lot of sur- surface water where I'm from in southeast Alabama, and our water usage, is, I've learned, is very poor compared to what these guys in the High Plains struggle with. Lack of rainfall they have on 18 or so inches a year, and we're accustomed to 70 or 80 inches a year. So they are really have opened my eyes in uh, water usage on cotton production. They have a lot of struggles getting water out of the ground, and we seem to have a lot of water that runs off and it gets away from us, and then we go to a drought. Our soils are extremely coarse and not much clay matter, not much um, organic matter in them, so we're always five days away from a drought, especially when we've got a good bowl odor on our crop. That is cotton farmer Andy Armstrong from Alabama, who is in Texas this week looking at the Texas cotton industry in the Lubbock area and the Rio Grande Valley. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September holds a lot of promise following a brutal summer. Barry Mahler says he's looking forward to it on the Texas Rolling Plains. Anticipation for September 1st is high this year here on the Rolling Plains of Texas, with the most obvious reason being a chance for cooler temperatures and much-needed rain. I know heat and drought aren't even news anymore across the Lone Star State, but those of us who've lived here all our lives realize that a change of the season brings a better chance of relief. Now, September is not the official change to fall, but it gets us thinking about it. The days get shorter, school's back in session, the lights come on in rural Texas on Friday nights for high school football, and the fall hunting season starts with dove season on September 1st. Now, let me give my disclaimer about dove season and that is always check with texas parks and wildlife for the official dates times and licensing requirements here in texas as things do vary from zone to zone but be ready for the sound of shotgun blasts at daylight on september 1st at least here in our part of the country dove hunting has always been popular but seems to be growing and getting better organized all the time there are many companies now in business that will organize a hunt for you and a few friends or even a larger group They offer good hunting spots, uh, cleaning facilities and services, food, lodging, transportation, and that brings a lot of visitors and business to rural towns here on the Rolling Plains and income to farmers and ranchers through lease agreements. The most part of these organizers have a good working relationship with our local game wardens to keep things moving along smoothly, and that's important. The dove crop looks good this year in our area. The drought has seen many corn and milo crops fail, and that leaves food for the migrating dove as they move north to south for winter and water in short supply, well, that opens up an opportunity because many ponds are empty, but that'll make the ones that still have water a hot spot for birds and the folks who hunt them. We look forward to the activity. It always starts off with a bang during the Labor Day weekend. So get out and enjoy, obey the laws, respect private property, and have a good, good hunt. This year, we're hoping that all the gunpowder in the air helps stir up an afternoon thunderstorm is, yeah, we still need the rain. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. We are inching closer to the start of dove hunting season in the north and central zones. And to ensure that everyone has a safe dove hunting season, we have a few tips from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have those coming up on Texas Ag Today. And internal parasites are common in pets and can be dangerous for people. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Internal parasites are common in pets, and Dr. Bob Judd says they can be dangerous for people, too. Lots of clients come into our office indicating their pet does not have any intestinal parasites as they have checked the stool. Unfortunately, all parasites cannot be visualized in the pet's stool, so a fecal analysis is required by your vet to make this diagnosis. Young animals are the most susceptible to parasites as they have less immunity to fight them off, but older animals that are stressed can also be affected. And any animal that comes in contact with other pets can become infected as most of the parasites are transmitted in the feces. Removing feces and cleaning the environment is helpful, but it is impossible to remove all parasite eggs from a yard. Roundworms are extremely common in puppies and kittens, and unfortunately, the eggs of these parasites cannot always be found in a fecal analysis. For this reason, all puppies and kittens should be dewormed every two weeks until they are four months of age, and then dewormed twice a year. So even if your vet performs a fecal analysis and it is negative, deworming for roundworms will still be recommended. The fecal analysis is still important because some of the parasites require special dewormers, and routine deworming is not effective, so we need to know which parasites are present. Roundworm, hookworms, and whipworms are all worms, while coccidia it is a protozoan parasite and requires a completely different treatment. Checking your pet for intestinal parasites is not expensive and should be performed at least once a year. More often if your pet is young or is exposed to other pets, such as at a public dog park. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season is getting closer. Jessica Domel has some hunting safety tips in today's wildlife report. Last year, hunting-related accidents in Texas hit an all-time low, and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is hoping to continue that downward trend. One way to do that is for hunters to ensure they always maintain a safe zone of fire, which is an area where a hunter can shoot safely. Steve Hall, TPWD's Hunter Education Coordinator, joins us with more. Dove hunters would do well to make sure that they communicate with their hunting party, make sure you know exactly where everyone else is located because typically they wear camouflage since birds can see color. And so, you know, just be mindful of where the others are hunting at all times and even other hunters that aren't even necessarily in your group. So be mindful of where everybody else is, where the buildings are, where the cows are, all those kind of things. You shouldn't go wrong in terms of maintaining a safe zone of fire. It's when you kind of 
get so excited to take the shot and you just don't realize where everybody else is at when incidents occur. And so it is the most common incident during dove season. Of the 12 hunting-related incidents in 2021, three quarters were caused by hunters swinging on game outside the safe zone of fire. One way to set up a safe zone of fire is to imagine a clock and you're facing 12 o'clock. A standard safe zone of fire for a single person would be from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Setting up a safe zone of fire and other hunter safety related topics are covered in hunter education. It's required for hunters born on or after September 2nd, 1971, but Hall says the course can be beneficial to hunters of all ages. You can find information on hunter education on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That's tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time for a look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Before you go out this summer, Texas A&M Forest Service wants you to keep these extreme heat safety tips in mind. Stay hydrated. Check with local county and city officials for burn bans and fire restrictions. Always have some water readily available if you light a fire or are working with equipment. Make sure your equipment is maintained and clean. Keep water with your equipment and have a plan. With these dry and hot conditions, one spark can lead to a large wildfire. For more information, visit tfsweb.tamu.edu. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle closed lower on Thursday. DTN's reporting that traders were only showing it mild attention. August live cattle down 22 cents to 141.10. October live cattle down 12 cents to 143.65. After several days trading higher, corn started trading lower on Thursday, and that did give some support to feeder cattle trading. August feeder cattle up 65 cents to 181.87. September feeder cattle up $1.22 to 184.25. Box beef was higher Thursday. Choice up $1.26 to $264.09. Select was up 86 cents to $238.48. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Gary Butler sold cattle in Nixon Monday. Gary, how many noses did you end up counting? Had a real good sale, Larry. Uh, wind up with 1392, uh, 199 cows and 13 bulls. Calf market is still strong, Larry. A lot of $2 calves, two and three weight calves, steers, $1.91 to $2.45. Heifer, $1.56 to $2. Three and four weight steers, $1.73. Heifers, $1.70 to $1.94. Uh, six and seven weight steers, $1.51 to $1.92. Heifers, $1.85 to $1.04. And uh, seven and eight weight steers and bull yearlings, $1.40 to $1.58. And the heifers, $1.38 to $1.40. And on the cow deal, we had uh, we had the $13.92, mostly uh, packer cows, 34 to 96 Packer bulls, $84 to $1.17. And on the bread cows, $400 to $10.50. And on the pairs, $860 to $13.75. Larry. 
What do you anticipate for this next Monday? Uh, I don't know of any coming just right offhand. Like I say, we've been running that 13 to 1800, and uh, I imagine it's slowed down a little bit. We had 1392, almost 1400, and I imagine we'll have the same thing uh, next week, although we did get an inch of rain, and, and some of the surrounding areas got two to three inches. Well, good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary. You can get us here cell phone 830-582-1561-62. Catch me on the mobile, 830-857-433. There. Neighbor, of course, Gary sells in Nixon on Monday, his brother Rodney in Beeville on Thursday. This has been Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it all together, and I like it so much, I'll do it again tomorrow. Good day. After a not-so-great export report released on Thursday, Lean Hogs found some support with slightly higher pork cutout values on Thursday, leading them to close higher. October Lean Hogs up 72 cents to 91.10. December Lean Hogs up 45 cents to 82.62. Blanc cheese was steady at $1.76 on Thursday. Barrel cheese fell a penny and a quarter to $1.86. August Class 3 milk was up a nickel Thursday to $20.11 a hundredweight. September Class 3 milk up 7 cents to 2006. Cotton traded mixed Thursday as heavy rains threaten the quality of cotton in the U.S. Delta. October cotton down 39 points to 117.18. December cotton up 4 points to 114.11. The U.S. Department of Agriculture reports that right now, U.S. cotton has the lowest good to excellent rating on record. On Wednesday, we saw December corn rise to the highest price we've seen since late June due to a number of factors, including drought and lower crop condition ratings. Having said that, corn did trade lower Thursday after several days this week of trading higher. September corn down eight and a quarter to 657 and a half. December corn down seven and a quarter to 650 even. September hard red wheat down 27 and a quarter to 869. December hard red wheat down 27 to 866 and a quarter. September soybeans were down eight and a quarter Thursday to 15.52 and a half. November soybeans down 25 and three quarters to 14.31 and a quarter. Natural gas prices this week rose to the highest level that we've seen all year, according to the Houston Chronicle. They say that that's due to the European Union attempting to replace natural gas supplies that they traditionally buy from Russia. September natural gas Thursday was up four cents to 9.37. October natural gas was up four cents to 9.34. November crude oil down $2.35 to 92.05 a barrel. The Dow was up 105 points to 33,074. The S&P 500 up 28 points to 4,169. The Nasdaq up 117 points to 12,548. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. We hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.